The following sermon was preached at Tower View Baptist Church. We are a gospel-centered, relationship-driven church that exists to know, grow in, share, and serve Jesus Christ. We do all this for the glory of God. For more about us, please check out our website at www.towerviewkc.com. Be thankful that you, the thrice holy God, came down to save us because we don't deserve it. There ain't nothing in us good, Lord, but by grace you've given us a righteousness not our own, as Paul says in Philippians. Thank you, Lord. We love you. Give us wisdom today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. If you have your Bible this morning, I'm going to invite you to uh, John chapter 14. You know this well. Uh, I'm going to pull up some notes on my screen here that I want to make sure that we read. But I want to invite you over to John chapter 14. And you know this from funerals. But if you're able to stand this morning, will you stand with me in honor of God's word? John 14, verses 1 through 6. You hear this so often at funerals. And our topic today is a question. Ask the pastors. Ask the pastors, do all roads lead to God? Do all roads lead to God? Or to say it in a more contemporary way, do all roads lead to Rome? Is every religion, is every feast, is every person ultimately going to end up in the same place, no matter what they believe, who they are, where they are, or how sincere, or how hard they try? Great question. Again, if you're a Christian, don't check out on me today. Check in with me today. You need to be reminded of this because your culture is telling you different from what we're about to read and study this every single day. You need to be reminded of the seriousness of it. You need to be reminded of the exclusivity of it. And you need to be reminded also of the inclusivity that everyone gets a part of, the, part of it who come to Christ, right? That's what we know. John 14, may these words comfort, challenge, and encourage you this morning. John 14, 1. It says this, Jesus speaking, let not your hearts be troubled. You can just stop right there, right? Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms or mansions in the King James. If, I were, if it were not so, would I have not told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And verse 3, if I go to pre prepare a place for you, I will come again. And I'll take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. And if, you know the, and if you know the way to where I'm going. And none of us would have said this, but Thomas said to the Lord, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no man, no woman comes to the Father except through me. If you've known me, verse 7, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do not know him. You do know him. And have seen him. Friends, these verses are great comfort at a, at a wedding or, excuse me, a funeral, whatever it is. But it's also a great truth to us today. Verse 6 is a verse that will get you in hot water quickly. But it's a verse that if you're a Christian, will remind you that you have a Savior who is the only way to heaven in that same instant. May we do this with grace this morning. Then may we do it with a rod of backbone, because it takes a backbone to really believe what we're going to talk about today. Will you bow your heads with me this morning? Let's go before our Lord as we pray. Father, thank you so much. This passage is familiar. Most in here know it. Most in here have memorized it. Most in here have shared it. Father, it is narrow. The road is narrow. But, Father, wide is the gate that leads to destruction. But, Lord, equally wide are, is the call out to all that hear the gospel 
that all who believe on the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved regardless of status or money or background or, or whatever they bring to the table. It is exclusive. There is one way. But, Father, it is also inclusive that all who can, will, can come will be saved. So, Father, help us to unpackage this today. We pray for your wisdom. We ask in Jesus' name. God's people said, amen. Why don't you be seated, guys? Well, as I open this up, I want you to know that uh, I already know that as soon as I speak this next section, I'm not picking on anybody. But I want you to know what is out there. It is, I wanted to get it so big in my notes for those of you inside that I myself with 2050 vision could read it, right? Here it is. This was written. This is, I just want to be absolutely clear here. I was given an opportunity to speak to a pastor friend who recommended the book to me. This book is written by a local pastor named Adam Hamilton. Adam, you may not know the name, but you know the church most likely. Church of the Resurrection, KC. 25,000 members based out of Leewood, Kansas, all around uh, the city. Downtown, Blue Springs, you name it. This is not picking on anyone that goes to that church. This is not picking necessarily on anything that Adam Hamilton is as a person. But at the same time, a public written book can be responded to publicly from the pulpit. This is not to bash anybody, but I want you to know what people are saying out there so that we can frame what we need to believe as Christians. This is what Adam Hamilton says. Not on the screen, just listen, but I want you to hear what he says. He says, never this is from his book, Christianity and World Religions, pages 32 and 33, the first edition. He says, it is rightly said that we recognize Jesus, that no one will come to the Father, God, or God's eternal realm without passing before Jesus, since Jesus and the Father are one. But a second way of understanding, he says, the text, and what I find more compelling, there's the catch, is simply to recognize that while the merits of Jesus' death are essential for all to enter heaven, it's up to God to apply those merits as he chooses. So, he says, if anything, for instance, if a faithful Hindu who has never had the opportunity to know Christ were admitted to heaven, this gift of salvation would have been possible because of Christ's work on the cross. God chose to give this gift of salvation to someone based upon his or her faith, even though the individual did not call upon the name of Jesus Christ. You know what they call that? They call that theological hogwash. If you are on the live stream, you're not on video, I just tore up that quote and threw it all over the stage. Not to be overly dramatic, not to be theatrical, but because it's absolutely garbage. Our Savior said, there is one way to heaven. Well, didn't Adam Hamilton believe that? Yes, he did. He said he agrees with that, but he also said he agrees, as many do, even in churches such as ours, that people who are faithful, even if they've never heard the name of Christ, who've never called upon Christ, can be in heaven with Christ. Friends, I want to remind you from the scriptures what Jesus said. Here's a quick bullet list. John 6, 35. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. John 8, 12. I am the door John 9, John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. John 11, 25, I am the resurrection and the life. John 15, 1, I am the true vine. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus has been very clear throughout all his ministry that it's not through Hindus, it's not through Muslims, it's not through anything else. It is the I am statements that are here that claim that he is the only way to heaven. John 14, 6 is the most controversial, offensive, and unpopular statements, perhaps, of them all. But Jesus said it. I didn't. And either we take his words for what they are, or we play the PC role, which is basically anyone gets to heaven. 
I mean, isn't that what the old movie was? Was that what's that old movie? Well, uh, all dogs go to heaven, right? What about cats? If you're a cat lover, do cats go to heaven too? But I want to remind you this morning that there is not one drop of saving faith, the big idea. There is not one drop of saving faith outside of Jesus Christ. He has an exclusive monopoly on all grace. And Jesus is in the upper room in John 14. He, he's he's going to attest to the disciples that his day has come, his time has come. He's going to be crucified. He's going to be tried unjustly. He's going to be buried. He's going to rise again. And it's going to go over their heads like a nuclear scientist talking to you about thermodynamics. To like that. But one day they will understand. And Jesus tells them plainly, but I want you to know this. To know Jesus is to know God. To believe in Jesus is to believe in God. To receive Jesus is to receive God. To hate Jesus is to hate God. To honor Jesus is to honor God. Jesus is the only way to God. And in short, everyone needs Jesus. And I want to go on with this under four ways. Friends, this is so important. You know the if you're here today, I know most of you well, you know the answer to this. But why is this the case? Four reasons why Jesus is the only way today. We're not going to unpack all the nuances of the verses. We're not going to unpack everything. I just want to give you four, four clear indications from this passage about what this is. And we're going to start with the first one. The four reasons why everyone should embrace this. The first is that it's an exclusive claim. It's an exclusive claim. Look back at verse 6. Does he say, I am a way, a truth, and a life? Parents, can you imagine doing this? I, I told you to take out the trash, but I told you also that you could go play your favorite game. You could go to your friend's house, and you could go break a window. No, your parents said, go take out the trash. Anyone with any sensible brain is going to see this as it is, right? Jesus says, I am the way the truth, and the life. That's definite. It is not indefinite. It is not one of these things where he tells them that, you know, if you want to believe in me, great. If not, that's okay. He says it is the way. It's an exclusive truth. Proverbs 14, 12 reminds us that there's a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it's a way of death. In the ancient world, the phrase was, every road leads to Rome. In those days, every road connected to the main road, which led to the biggest city, which was in Rome of Italy, which many of you have been to in this time. And so can that be said today? And many people believe that religion is all you need. Religion says all roads lead to God. Religion says that all faiths are equally valid ways that lead to God. Or if you remember that old song, she'll be coming around the mountain when she comes. She'll be coming around. You know that song? A lot of people sing that song as they say, well, don't all roads lead up the mountain? I mean, eventually someone's going to climb up there. Someone's going to take the road. Someone's going to take the gondola up, like Pikes Peak kind of thing. Isn't that really what it is, Pastor? No. Religion says it does not matter what you believe as long as you believe it sincerely. But Jesus says it matters who you believe and that you believe in him alone sincerely. Christianity proclaims that all Jews, Muslims, Hindus, Buddhists, Baha'i, cult members, liberal Christians, New Agers, moral people, every person who denies who Jesus clearly says he is, is on a dead-end street as it relates to God himself. That's it. That is offensive. That is narrow-minded. And that is bigoted, they say. Well, friends, we don't have much say in the matter, do we? Because mankind is lost. Mankind is deceived. Mankind is dead and needs to get back to God. 
John 14, 6 says, no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus Christ is our prophet, priest, and king. Don't forget this. He, there is no need for any of the prophets to reveal the word of God. There's no need for any of the priests to mediate salvation because Christ fulfilled that when he said it's finished. There is no more need for other kings to control our thinking or behavior. We are saved by solus Christus, by Christ alone. And to trust Jesus for salvation is to trust him completely once and for all. Mark it down. Christianity is not a creed. Christianity is not a ceremony. Christianity is not a code of conduct. It is about a person. Do you know who that person is? It is Jesus Christ. Christianity is Christ, and Christ is God. While other religions build on the moral and ethical teachings of their founders, the teachings of Christ are not what Christianity is all about. Let me say that again. Hinduism, Buddhism, Mormonism, Islam, you name the ism, it's built on what their teacher said. But ours are not necessarily based on what was said. Christianity is based on Jesus Christ. Yes, it's based on what he said, but more so, even so, it's based on who he is. Do you see that difference? The founders of other religions point away from themselves, but Jesus always pointed to himself. He said, I am the way. He didn't say, go find Buddha. He didn't say, go find Confucius. He didn't say, go find Joseph Smith. He said exclusively, I am the way. And friends, that rubs people the wrong way. They don't have chalk on chalkboards anymore, do they? They, don't, they have dry erase boards. We can get back to chalk. I always like to be that kid who used to hit the, hit the things together and make the, the mess outside. But there's that old phrase that you know well. John 14, 6 is like nails on a chalkboard to people. They don't like it. Why? Because it's an exclusive claim. It takes out every other way to God except through Jesus. And people don't like that. Acts 4.12 says there's salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. 1 Timothy 2.5 says, for there is one God, there's one mediator between God and, and men, and that is the man, Christ Jesus. Christians, let me be absolutely clear on this. We believe Jesus is the only way to heaven. Your friends aren't going to like that. Your family's not going to like that. And go back two weeks ago on my social media, people on social media aren't going to like that either. But that's the gospel truth. Amen? Our faith stands or falls on this way. It's an exclusive claim. But I want you to know, secondly, not only is it an exclusive claim, it's also a trustworthy claim. Jesus is the only way to God based on objective standards. And let's go over that. Hey, pretend for a second that I, I, I claim to be President Joe Biden. You would probably think I'm pretty crazy. I'm not old. I'm young. I don't have a suit. I have a simple shirt on. But if Biden himself stood here and claimed to be Biden, you'd probably believe him. But there would be confirming evidence. He'd look like Biden. He'd talk like Biden. He'd have the, the mannerisms of Biden. He'd probably have Secret Service hidden behind the, the piano over here and Craig's old office over there ready to jump and pounce on someone as soon as they came in the door. Maybe we need to do that for pastors, too. That might be a good thing after today's sermon. <laughs> But there would be evidence he is who he says he is, wouldn't there? Similarly, there's a, a confirming evidence that Jesus is God, and therefore credible evidence. R.C. Sproul tells a story that when he was in, uh, R.C. Sproul is a famous preacher who passed away a few years ago. When his English teacher asked him, Mr. Sproul, do you believe that Jesus is the only way to God? And he was in a class where if he answered yes, you could feel the stares of other people coming down. You ever been there before? And he looked at the professor, a woman, and he said, yes, I do, ma'am. The teacher was furious at him. She said, this is the most narrow-minded, bigoted, arrogant statement, Mr. Sproul, I have ever heard. 
You must be a supreme egotist to believe that your way of religion is the only way. And R.C. said back to her, he slouched back in his chair, and he asked her if she, she thought that it's possible that Christ could be the only way to heaven. She said, yeah, I guess that's possible. Then he asked if she thought it's possible that a person could come to belief in Jesus without being narrow-minded or bigoted about it. She said, yeah, I guess there's people that could believe that without being narrow-minded or bigoted. And though she did not believe that Jesus is God, she recognized that a person could believe it without being a pig-headed Christian. Ever met one of those before? Then he explained to her the reason he believed Christ was the only way. And that lady eventually became, he said, a believer in Jesus Christ because of a simple witness one time in a college English class from 60, 70 years ago. Christian is encouraging to know that a person as brilliant as Dr. Sproul could be weak in their knees when they have a trustworthy claim like we have in Jesus Christ. Isn't that what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2? Remember what he said? He said, I came to you in much weakness, fear, and trembling, but it's also encouraging to know that you can believe in Jesus and not be this jerk for Jesus that believes in John 14, 6. Do you, you know what I'm talking about? Friends, we can have the truth so well and speak so boldly that we run people over without any grace or love of Jesus Christ in the mix of it. And we have both. But I want you to know it is a trustworthy claim because it's true that some Christians are arrogant in their faith, but it's not arrogant to believe Jesus is the only way to heaven. It's one thing for me to claim that Jesus is the only way because that's, that's what I know. But it's another thing for Jesus to prove it. How did he prove it? Well, think about it for a second. He was born of a virgin, wasn't he? Under the law. That at just the right time, he died for the ungodly. He was also, he was also made exclusive claims. He said he was God several times. He came and did miracles for people. He literally raised people from the dead. He lived a sinless life. His mighty miracles of which were fulfilled is that he fulfilled every prophecy known to man. What a savior. He also died on a cross, the death that was promised to him. Oh, no, by the way, yeah, he just happened to come from the dead. That really doesn't mean anything, does it? I mean, he kind of came back from the dead. That's not important at all, right? He came back from the dead. So why is it that so many people reject these claims? You want to know why? It's because people want a generic God, like an off-brand at the store. Some of you all like the, the name brands. I do too, but my budget doesn't afford it, so we get the off-brands, the Aldi-brands. You know you know what I'm talking about? The, the always say, it tastes like it just came out of, I don't know, well, whatever. It just it tastes funny. But you know what I mean. But a lot of people want a God like that. They want a God who is their Aaron's golden calf. We want an accessible God who serves our purposes. I mean, think of it this way. If, if a person was running around impersonating you and, and, and there's no way you could expose them without objectively proving it, who you are, how would you feel? I mean, you would have to go to the authorities and say, no, I'm the real Darren Smith. Here's my ID. Here it is. Come and prove it. You know, when people lose things like a watch or something at the, at the amusement park, they say, come and describe it to me. Because anyone can walk up and say, oh, by the way, I lost my Rolex watch today. Oh, really? What does it look like? I don't know. It has gold on it. it looks, oh, okay, here you go. Well, the real owner came. They wouldn't be too happy. You have to prove yourself. Guys, our God has proven himself. He walked among us. He gave his life for us. Everything he said, he did. Everything prophesied about it was fulfilled. What more trustworthiness do you need? Muhammad made all sorts of predictions, but I guarantee you he didn't fulfill them. This is why sin, sinful people 
don't like to accept this very thing. They like a false god because they have no objective standard to, to compare it to. They don't want to deal with the fact that God has fingerprints and it's all over the life of his son, Jesus Christ, being fully God himself. John 3, 19, and this is the judgment that light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because of their works were evil. Do you know, want to know why people don't like John 14, 6? They want all roads to lead to God because they themselves don't want to stand before this God. People don't have a problem with John 14, 6. They have a problem with Jesus. When they have a problem with Jesus, they take it out on everybody else. No matter how much you hide in the dark, we must be faithful to our message and our mission. John James Montgomery Boyce, the great Presbyterian, this will make Lane happy. He likes Presbyterian commentators. Sorry, Lane, I had to expose you a little bit from the pulpit. He said this, the chief offense of Christianity is its founder and his extraordinary claims. If you eliminate the truth of Jesus with his exclusive claims and substitute another Jesus, Christianity will be popular. But if you preach the true Jesus, some will inevitably be offended and fall away. If you're not a Christian, not a Christian here today, we're so glad if you're listening online. It is your right to reject the claims of Christ. You have that right as a person, not just an American. You have that right to say, don't want anything to do with this. But you cannot reject them and be a Christian at the same time. Go back and listen to what Tom wrote and spoke about last week. Friends, it is that simple. But we want to make him popular. Why do we have to prop Jesus up? Why do we have to make Jesus seem more of something that he's not? Because we don't want to believe Jesus as he really is. When I posted that quote from Dr. Hamilton a couple weeks ago, people justified it all sorts of different ways. I'm not picking on anybody, but I want you to know it is not popular to stand on John 14, 6. It's not. So where does this mean? It's exclusive. It's Jesus or the highway. It is trustworthy. He proved it by who he is and what he did. But it is also a logical, sensible claim. It is a sensible claim. I mean, let's be honest for a second. America, I love America, don't you? Aren't you grateful to be in this country? We have warts, we have problems, but we have arguably the greatest country, despite our warts, God has ever given us. We have a melting pot of every race, every ethnicity, every background that's come together to form one nation. That's what makes us cool about being in America. We are, as the Latin term, the E pluribus unum, for many the one. One of the things that has held this democratic experiment together for so long is our, is our experiment called religious toleration. We don't believe in a church state, a state church, excuse me. No one religion has exclusive claim over America. And as Americans, we celebrate that because we, we, you can believe what you believe, you can believe what you believe. And that's okay as Americans. And we have no state church, and we thank God for that, that we can worship how we feel we need to worship. Amen? You go to some countries right now, they're going to tell you how to worship, which is often nothing at all. So just go in and, and, and worship the, 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 the Chinese leader or the dictator of Colombia or whatever it is. We are truly blessed to live in a land where we're free to worship God after the dictates of our own heart. But that's also very dangerous as well. Did you know that? It's also very, very dangerous. We have blurred the line in Christian churches between being an American and knowing objective truth. We have come to believe, even subtly, that equal tolerance in America as citizens of differing religions means that, the equal, that all these religions are equally valid before God himself. Does that make sense? 
We support each other in believing what we want to believe. But suddenly as Christians, that has overtaken us that we back away from the exclusive, trustworthy, sensible, logical claim that Jesus is who he said he is. So when Christians or any group make a claim of exclusivity, the response is most often one of shock, rejection, and anger. But when Christians claim that Jesus is the only way, they say we're not being tolerant, we're closed-minded, we're unreasonable. But friends, hear this clearly. Equal tolerance does not mean equal truth. Can I say that again? Equal tolerance does not mean equal truth. Now, we're Baptists. I shared this in our Sunday school class. I'll share it again. There are three, maybe four Bs. Jeff added the fourth, or he amen the fourth. As Baptists, we believe in buildings, budgets, bottoms, butts, whatever you want to call it. And uh, if we're really good Baptists, we believe in buffets as well, right? The four Bs of being a Baptist, right? That's what it is. And as Baptists, that's a joke, by the way. It's most churches what they aim for. But one thing as Baptists we believe is what founded America. We literally believe that you can believe what you want to believe. We're going to respect that. We're not going to come and tell you not to believe that or not to practice that as a person to person. But as Christians, on a spiritual level, we believe that equal tolerance does not mean equal truth. That means the Bill of Rights gives you the legal right to be theologically wrong. Do you understand that? That does not somehow automatically make you theologically correct just because you have the freedom to believe what you want to believe. No one denies others the right to approach God in their own way. Well, that does not mean that they are approaching God the right way. Do you see that difference? It is foolish to suggest that you have inevitably met the right God, no matter what form he may take or how you may find him. Friends, that's ludicrous. If you believe that truth changes, if you believe that God is like Dr. Jekyll one day and Mr. Hyde the next, you've got the wrong God. It is a fundamental principle that A cannot be A and not A at the same time or in the same sense. I mean, think about this. If you go to the store, and if you're paying cash, who still pays in cash? I'm just curious. If you raise your hand if you still pay in cash, there's no shame here. Sometimes uh, most people are paying by cards or their Venmos or whatever else you do on these funny phones. But you know that if, if the cost is $2.50 and they you give them $3, they should give you back $0.49, cents, right? Come on, guys. The answer is $0.49, cents, right? If, what is the answer? It's 50 cents. Oh, woo. That took a lot of brain power, didn't it? You don't act like that cashier and say, well, maybe she has a different way of counting than I do. No, you're going to fight for every penny that doesn't come back your way. You're like me. Come on now. You know this. But when it comes to God, when we accept different truth claims without really examining them indiscriminately, no matter how contradictory they may be, that's exactly what we're doing. We live in a country that we are grateful people can worship how they worship, but don't let the American freedom you have overtake the theological correctness that we have in Jesus Christ. When he says he's the way, he's not blushing, he's not wringing his hands, he means what he says. And he's going to take that to the bank, because that's Christian, that's what you're banking on, isn't it? He said he's gone to prepare a place for you. If that isn't true, then just go home now. And watch, watch the football game, right? That's, there's the reference you were waiting on. In reality, it's not absolutely true that all religions basically teach the same thing. You don't need to be a Bible scholar, a great theologian pointing at Lane, 
or an expert on world religions to establish the differences among the various religious truth claims. All you have to do is look at the basic understanding. Our God said it is finished. Our God said, I am coming again. Buddha's dead. Muhammad's dead. Joseph Smith, we ran around the temple. I, I, I'm probably in trouble for this. We ran around the temple uh, a little while ago, about a month ago. They had a 5K race called the Temple Run up by the Mormon Temple up here. $5 gets you in a race. That's a, good, that's a good number for me. My wife was explaining that the big golden thing up top is the Angel Moroni or whatever, and that that's a false god, that the Mormons worship a false god, the Angel Moroni. So Seth wanted to go around. Uh, he, he kept saying, that's the, that, mommy, there's the false god. Mommy, there's the false god. Mommy, there's the false god. <laughs> and of course, we're just like, let's get to the van. Come on, come on, let's get to the van and let's get away from here. It's all true, but we had a red face with it as well. Look, Muslims and Jews and lots of people believe in Jesus, but they don't believe that Jesus is the second person of the Trinity, risen from the dead, savior of the world, holding all things in his hands. The logical claim of Christianity, the sensible claim of Christianity, is that they may believe he died on a cross. They may believe something about him. But only those who believe Jesus for all he said, including John 14, 6, have a sensible, trustworthy, exclusive claim. I'm going to repeat it again. All religions are not the same. No matter what DR period, fill in the blank last name says about it. When I get on an airplane, I want to know the mechanics checked it out pretty well, don't you? Or you go to Firestone and they fix your car, they fixed it right. I don't want the mechanic to say, well, it looks like the engines are malfunctioning. I hope you get to your next destination. Okay, have a good flight. <laughs> I want to go to a doctor who's intolerant of cancer, don't you? I want to go to a doctor who tells me the truth and does not mind hurting my feelings in order to tell me what I need to do medically, perhaps, to get right again. So why is it that so many people get upset when Jesus tells them the truth? It's a sensible language. If he is who he says he is, then he's the only way to heaven. It's a logical thing. Look, intolerance, guys, can be a good thing because Jesus himself was the most tolerant, intolerant, most exclusive inclusive person ever. He was intolerant that he said he's the only way, but he was tolerant that he lets rebels like us be part of his family. Amen. He's exclusive in that he is absolutely sure that he's the only way to heaven, but he's inclusive that all who call upon his name, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Red, yellow, black, and white doesn't matter. Yes, praise the Lord. Even those Raiders fans can get to heaven someday by the grace of God. Even Tom Brady can if he's not a Christian. Amen. You know it. But guys, I want you to know, this truth hurts a lot of people. This right here will keep a lot of people out of heaven. But lastly, it's an exclusive truth, trustworthy, sensible. And lastly, it is a benevolent, gracious truth. It's a benevolent, gracious truth. God is not being narrow-minded and giving only one way. Can you say it with me, John 3, 16? God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish would have eternal life. God so loved the world. You know what Muhammad did the first years after he became prophet? He went and killed and ransacked people. The list goes on. Jesus gave his life for people. Hebrews 7.25 Consequently, Jesus is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since we always he always lives to make intercession for us. 
Friends, what does this mean? It's a benevolent thing. God came down to us. No other God can say that. Well, Darren, what about the, the myths of, of all these Greek gods and they came down? Guys, they did never go this far. No Greek God ever went as far as what Jesus said. When he said it and he meant it, that was exclusive. Why did they throw them in jail? Why do Christians get thrown out of places around the world? It's because we believe he's the only way. That's it. Christian, I want you to know, I want in my flesh to believe like Pastor Hamilton believes at Church of the Resurrection. I really do. My flesh wants to believe this because there are people around the world who have never heard the name of Christ. That's why we send missionaries, is it not? What does God do with those people? Let's answer the big question you may have in your mind. What do we do with the man or woman, child who lives in the Amazon or that island out where that young man was killed about three years ago? Remember that story? He tried to boat out to those, those people and were killed. What do we do with those people? Let's be very clear. Romans 1, Psalm 19 tells us this, that you can look around all creation and know there's something bigger than yourself. In fact, it's written on your heart, Romans 2 says. Witness of creation, people can know there's a God just simply by looking around. God has given them light. God has also written the law on their hearts. They know right from wrong. Don't let anyone, especially a child, ever tell you, I didn't know that was wrong. They may not know. You have to teach them. But in the end of things, we know what is right and we know what is wrong. Church members, we sent out to you a link this week over email where some of your famous preachers said some things that might have surprised you. Billy Graham got up in his later days, and he had Parkinson's at that time, so we'll, we'll put an asterisk by it. But he basically said that as long as you believe in anything, you can get to heaven. And if you know Billy Graham's ministry, you're like, whoa. He actually said that to Robert Schuller in 2001 in a video recorded conference. It's, it's documented. It's online. There are pastors like T.D. Jakes. There are pastors like Rob Bell. There are pastors all around the world who will say these things. That, well, God, God's just going to save them all. Guys, he will not. All who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. This is part of our job, is it not? To take the gospel to every creature. God is not going to let someone into heaven who is not trusted and repented in anyone but Jesus Christ. I want to be absolutely clear about that. What about those people who've never heard? We better get busy, don't we? God is absolutely sovereign. God absolutely knows who's those, those who are his. He has called them, elected them before salvation as a Baptist belief for years. But it is also a belief that we are to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's why we send missionaries. That's why you go to your neighbors. That's why you go out to all people everywhere. God is not going to take a faithful Hindu and send him to heaven simply because he tried hard enough. That faithful Hindu has to come through the only gate, and his name is Jesus Christ. Amen? That is a weighty topic, but I'm just trying to shoot straight and clear with you. At the end of the day, it is Christ or nothing. And God is absolutely benevolent and gracious in giving us a way. Can you imagine if he didn't give us any way at all? Some of you hated, I use that word intentionally, teachers at the end of the semester who held to their syllabus and their rules. They said you had to turn it in by this date. And if it was a second later, they would say, you're late. But every one of us loved those teachers, didn't we? So when you went up to them and said, man, my cat died. I ate bad food at Taco Bell. Whatever, the, the throw out the story. You know what I'm talking about. 
professor so-and-so, Mrs. So-and-so, can I please just have some extra? And you'd win their heartstrings and you'd smile big and they would give you extra credit. We all love those teachers, don't we? God is not a teacher that gives extra credit. God is a teacher that says, this is what I said, I meant what I said, and everything that Lane read earlier, this is who I am. Take it or leave it, I love you, I died for you, but I'm not moving, and it's there. Guys, I want to believe everything Pastor Hamilton believes, but to do that, I would basically have to take this book and rip it to shreds. We don't do that here. I'm not picking on him, I'm not picking on anyone who follows him, but you need to know, even within our own city, a church of 25,000 people, maybe not all of them believe that, I don't know, but if the leadership believes it, you better believe the pews are probably going to believe it some way. Be very careful. Like, here's the truth, Christian. You get to go be with this God someday. Amen? He's coming again for you. Do all roads lead to God? No, they do not. But thank God he gave us the only path to get to him through his son, Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's bow our heads together as we close today. Fathers, we come to you. We thank you so much that you sent forth your son to die for us. Father, we trust that everything that has been said today has been honoring to you. We pray it has not been offensive in any way it's been delivered or any way that I presented it. We, we pray that only you, Lord, have been the stumbling block as we pray for our own lives. Father, we know this truth, even as Christians, gnaws at us at times because we look around the world and we think, Lord, how could you just not save us all? But Lord, I thank you that you've reminded us that you have given us an opportunity. But Lord, all those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. You've not taken back anybody who's wanted to come in. You've let them in. And Father, we are grateful from Revelation that we know that great was the multitude that could not be counted, that John saw that was under the throne that had uh, given their lives for Christ, had been slain because of the name of Christ, for those who had trusted in Christ. Father, we know not the number that you will call to be your own. For we know it's only through your name that those own can be called into your family. So, Father, I pray you put on us a greater love for people, greater love for those who don't know Christ, and a greater urgency to tell them about Christ. I pray you shore us up in this culture that wants to play to every whim of, of, of people, Father. But at the same time, we pray that you give us loving grace to share. We don't want to beat anyone over the head with this. We don't want to become a stumbling block because of ourselves in this. Lord, let your words be your words, but we are simply ambassadors, boldly, graciously, lovingly, humbly, gently, and patiently speaking your word. Help us to do it to your glory. Lord, we love you so much. We ask all this today in the only name that saves, the way, the truth, and the life, through which no man can come to you, Father, except only through that name. In Jesus' name we pray. In God's people said, amen. Would you stand as we sing the first, third, and fourth verses of it as well?